So welcome to today's energy show. This week, we'll be talking about home battery storage systems. Now, rooftop solars become commonplace. Some neighborhoods, 10% or more of the homes have solar. In marketing terms, this means that solar is moving into the mainstream. We're no longer dealing with the real innovators and early adopters. We're hitting the mainstream consumers in some areas. Now, the reason is that the economics for solar have become very favorable. Almost everybody can get to cash flow positive. The systems last for 25 years, and there's a million people in the country that are happy with their solar on the roof. So it's a brand new thing. The technology for rooftop solar is relatively mature. Yeah, there's still improvements in inverters and mounting systems and solar panels, but it's pretty mature. And there's good service and support, but there's still one big problem. The sun doesn't shine at night. We need to use net metering, which is a utility program that allows you to run your meter backwards to send the excess power to the grid during the day when we don't need it, and then we draw utility power at night. And that's a system that works well, but the utilities don't like it. So cost-effective battery storage systems are a good substitute for net metering. There's lots of buzz about battery storage, and there's about a dozen companies offering home battery storage systems. And there's also new incentives for battery storage systems. California's got an incentive coming out, an early one uh, this May, 2017. And there's a bigger program that's uh, hopefully going to go into effect next year. Hawaii also has an incentive program. So there's some very cool capabilities where you can combine rooftop solar with battery storage and electric vehicles, and you really can save a lot of money if the economics are right. So almost all the solar companies are getting into battery storage market because it's so compatible with solar. But the reality is, and you know, this is you listen to the energy show, you want to hear the reality of, of somebody that's actually doing this stuff. The reality is battery storage systems are kind of where solar was in the year 2000. Um, we're at the early stage of battery technology, at, at software that controls the system, at system integration, getting the batteries to talk to the charge controllers, to the inverters, to the drivers for all the components, and really early stage of integration with the utility. Right now, the utility is kind of hands-off. Um, it's just the, the meter is the interface. So in this week's show, we're going to delve into the technical issues that homeowners need to know. And our goal is to set realistic expectations about the benefits, the costs, and the pitfalls of battery storage systems so that if you as a homeowner get a system, you won't be surprised and hopefully you'll find an installer that really knows the straight scoop about these things. So first, let's do a little bit of history about battery storage systems. Now, they've been used on off-grid systems for years and years and years. I mean, it's probably like 75 years or so, and the systems have gotten better and better and better. You know, basically, you're combining an ordinary, traditional lead-acid battery with solar panels. Uh, you know, so think about solar panels. They've been out, you know, in, in commonplace since the 60s and 70s. And these off-grid systems work really well when there's no grid power. Because in some places, a cabin up in the woods or an island, you just don't have an electric grid. You don't have generation capacity. So you need some way to generate electric power. Now, this is a system that works really well. You've got an inverter, you've got batteries, you've got solar panels. The solar panels charge up the batteries, the inverter gets its power from the batteries, and you can run light and appliances and things like that to a limited degree. But the thing is that batteries are expensive. So we're thinking about the mainstream here. You know, if you're up in the woods, you have no other alternative. You'll pay a lot of money for batteries, but they're expensive and they only last when you really discharge them a lot, five to 10 years. And the amount of power you can draw is limited by the size of the inverter. 
So a 5-kilowatt inverter, which is a decent-sized inverter, can only put out 5,000 watts. If you need 6,000 watts, say, to run an air conditioner, it eh, ain't going to happen. So eh, you don't have an air conditioner in your cabin. And the amount of energy you can draw, the total amount of energy over time you can pull out, is limited by the capacity of the batteries. So if you need to power something for like two days with no sun, you're going to need a lot of batteries. So that's why the grid is better. But when you live in a cabin, solar panels with batteries and maybe a generator is the only way to go. There was a lot of interest in battery storage systems back in 1999 prior to the Y2K, the year 2000 non-disaster. The, the market really spiked. But then after that, kind of people said, hey, you know, maybe there's other kinds of inverters that are going to be more cost effective. We don't need batteries. So I used to install battery systems in California going back to 2001. We installed them from about 2001 to 2004. And, and kind of by 2003, 2004, I stopped installing battery backup systems, battery storage systems here in California for four reasons. The first was that the grid-tied solar was very cost effective because we had incentives and the pricing was coming down. It was pretty good. The second was that the battery storage systems were generally not practical for significant backup power. And we'll talk about backup power more later. The, the third reason was that they were battery systems were much more complicated and difficult to install. With grid-tie solar, solar panels, wiring, put an inverter, connect to the panel, and you're done. Battery systems need a lot more components. And the fourth reason was battery storage systems require much more maintenance. And, and maintenance is something that people a lot of times don't want to pay for. Now, what's changed? A lot has changed over the past 15 years. The most significant of which is there's new battery technologies that are much more cost-effective and reliable. Basically, they're cheaper. Now, remember, most customers generate power for much less than the utility charges. Now, utilities don't like net metering, so they don't like to pay the fair amount for power that's going back to the grid. Now, put this aside, the concept of a fair amount of power, is there's a lot of argument about that. But the reality is, if the average rate that homeowners pay or businesses pay is 20 cents a kilowatt hour, the utility shouldn't turn around and say, hey, if you give us a little bit of power in the middle of the day when we need it the most, we're only going to give you a nickel a kilowatt hour. So it's basically not that fair. So what happens is as net metering kind of um, gets more and more common, utilities are really digging in their heels against net metering, trying to stop it. And if customers have a way to store their own energy, they don't need net metering as much. And even a little bit of energy storage can really help to mitigate these challenges uh, where, where people don't want to use net metering. All right, so now let's talk about what changed. The biggest thing that changed with batteries is there's new battery chemistries, particularly lithium-ion batteries. Lead-acid batteries were tried and true. They've been used for over 100 years. <laughs> you know, we had electric cars in the 1900s powered by lead-acid batteries. Lead-acid batteries are inexpensive, they're reliable, but they're not great for rapid and frequent cycling, and that's the kind of thing that you have to do with energy storage. Hence the benefits of lithium-ion. And so with, with lithium-ion batteries, they're one-third the weight of lead-acid batteries and much more compact. You can literally hang them on a wall. You know, go try and hang two batteries on the wall. It'll knock the wall down. The lithium-ion batteries are more efficient on a round-trip basis. When you charge and discharge, there's less energy loss, whereas with lead-acid batteries, they heat up and you lose energy. You can also discharge lithium-ion batteries and other chemistries more, maybe not fully 100%, but you know maybe 80 or 90%, whereas when you discharge lead-acid batteries all the way to the bottom, it, it kind of damages the batteries. The lifetime of lithium-ion batteries, when you're cycling them often, is longer. You're going to put in a, a battery storage system. You want 3,000 cycles. That's going to be good for 
you know, it's going to be good for like 10 years. You don't want like 500 cycles. And lead-acid batteries don't have the same cycle life. And then the other, other thing that happens is lithium-ion batteries maintain their voltage through the entire discharge cycle, whereas with lead-acid batteries, the voltage kind of goes down. So there's been rapid proliferation of lithium-ion batteries, first in laptops and computer electronics and now in cars. And that's where we're getting dramatic cost reductions because tremendous number of batteries are being produced for cars. So at this point, lithium-ion batteries are more practical and cheaper than lead-acid for home energy storage applications. Now, I'm not going to get into all the different battery chemistries. It's been 40 years since I last took a chemistry course. But keep in mind, the prices for lithium-ion batteries are continuing to come down. The packaging is getting better. And there's incentives coming out in the future that are going to make home battery storage systems even more cost-effective. All right. Now, let's talk about this home battery storage concept. And there's two kinds of systems. There are systems that are called DC-coupled and AC coupled. And this really refers to the way in which the solar panels are connected to the system. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail here because it's kind of geeky. But with DC coupled systems, the solar panels are connected to the charge controller in the batteries. Basically, the panels charge up the batteries. And the advantage of this is you have one inverter and it means that you can more easily connect the batteries to other high-voltage storage devices like your car and things like that. And you also conceivably have lower conversion losses because you don't have to go from DC in the solar, DC into the battery, then AC, and then and back and forth to DC and AC. But it's trickier for the inverter to operate both with and without the utility, and that's where we're talking about some backup power. We'll get to more of that later. With AC-coupled systems, the solar panels are connected to the inverter directly, and then the inverter is a grid-tied inverter. So you go solar panels, grid-tied inverter, AC power, and the batteries are connected to a separate battery inverter that can operate without the utility power. So basically the sequence is you have a PV array, goes to the grid-tied inverter, goes to the AC loads in the house or the grid, and then you also have a battery-based inverter that's connected to batteries. Now the advantage is this can be more modular and lower price. It can be easier to connect to an existing PV system. You know, people have an existing system, they want batteries. AC coupled is easier to connect in, but it doesn't inherently provide backup power. So the reality is between DC coupled and AC coupled, the efficiencies are about the same, but both types of systems are pretty complicated when backup power is needed. And we'll talk more about that later. All right, now talking about economics of battery storage, one of the biggest impacts is the public policy related to battery storage. Now, in California, we have this thing called the Self-Generation Incentive Program, and that kind of got the solar industry going back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And now there's a similar program for battery storage, and and other states are kind of kicking that off. This Self-Generation Program helped start off with thousands and thousands of rooftop solar customers in California. It really got going in like 2000, 2001, and that's when I started doing installations. And it helped build a really big solar industry in California. We had the biggest domestic market because there were these incentives and companies got founded here and there was technology started here and installers were started here. And that really made California, A, the biggest solar customer market in the country, And second, by far and away, the biggest employer of people in the solar technology business, manufacturing, developing new software, developing new products. And that's kind of what California is great at. Now, the SGIP program, Self-Generation Incentive Program, is providing incentives for battery systems. And there's going to be some rebates that are going to kick off in May. There's going to be a much bigger program next year. So I expect to see a lot of technology growth in battery storage. (laughs) And by the way, I also expect to see continued resistance from utilities 
to this kind of behind-the-meter energy storage. So the utilities don't want incentives for battery storage because that means that consumers can generate their own power and store their own power, and utilities don't have to provide that. And most importantly, utilities don't have to build the infrastructure to supply the power. And by the way, if you know, the utilities make their money by building the infrastructure and getting a rate of return on that. So anything that the utilities don't build, they don't like. Anything that you can build as a business or a consumer for power is going to save you money. All right, now let's talk about the reasons why people are installing battery storage systems. And I can kind of think of three. The first is battery storage is really cool. It's the next greatest thing. The second is battery storage systems can provide backup power. And the third reason is that battery storage systems can save you money. Now, people are going to put in something because it's cool regardless of what the price is if they have the money. So that's happening already. As far as battery storage providing backup power, we'll talk about more of that later. Almost everybody wants backup power. The reality is a little bit more complicated. So what I'm going to concentrate on are the ways in which battery storage systems can save you money. Because the money savings is what everybody wants. Almost everybody wants. And solar, by solar saving so much money, it built a big industry, lots of customers. When we get to the point where battery storage systems are saving consumers a lot of money, that industry will be really, really big. If we can't get to the point where battery storage systems save customers money, then it's never going to be a big business. But I'm I'm confident that it will be because the prices for battery storage are going to keep coming down and the demand is going to keep coming up, going up. So let's talk about saving money. The economic case for battery storage systems, it really depends on location. It's like real estate, right? Location, location, location. Hawaii has a good economic case now for battery storage because net metering is being severely restricted and power rates are so high. So it makes sense for people in Hawaii to save their own excess solar energy instead of give it back to the utility for peanuts and then use that excess solar energy in the evening or in the afternoon when they come home because that's when the rates are really high. Now, California also has high time of use rates. And these time of use rates originally were really good for solar. Now they're not so good for solar anymore because the highest rates are in the afternoon and evenings when the sun's not shining. But if you have a battery storage system and you're generating excess power during the day, you charge your batteries up during the day. Eh, don't give the, you don't need to give the power to the utility because they're not going to give you a lot of money for it. But then you can use that power again at night. So that's kind of an energy arbitrage thing. And we're going to talk more about that. But that's kind of where the economics come from. Now, unfortunately, most other states don't have electric rates that are very favorable for energy storage yet. But it will happen. And as a result, the economic case for batteries, the economic case where, you know, this is going to save me money when you think about everything, is still kind of tentative. For example, if the battery storage system costs $12,000 and saves you $1,000 in electricity every year, quick math, that's a 12-year payback. But if the battery system only lasts 10 years, then the payback period, 12 years, is longer than the battery system life. So you're kind of going to lose money. And the reason is these battery systems have a shorter life so far than solar systems because solar panels don't, don't wear out. There's no moving parts. There's no chemistry in there. 25 years, they're good to go. Batteries wear out. We all know that. We replace the batteries in our car. Our cell phone batteries die. Our laptop batteries die. <laughs> Flashlight batteries die. We know. Even with lithium ion, they wear out after a while. But I'm confident that future battery storage systems and better software and better control electronics are going to definitely enhance the lifetime and reduce the maintenance for these battery storage systems. So the economic case is going to get better. All right. Now let's talk about backup power. 
talk to customers who are thinking about solar. I mean, going back to 2001, everybody would put in solar, and then they would say, okay, well, if there's a blackout, I got all these solar panels on my roof. Am I going to get energy from that? And the answer is, yeah, you're going to get energy, but it's not going to turn into electricity because the inverters are designed to automatically turn off if there's no utility power. That's a safety feature for utility workers. So, so if there's a power failure, unless you have a battery backup system or something else special, you're not going to be able to really get power. Now, SMA, which is a great inverter company, they make inverters that can provide one or 2,000 watts of power without batteries, but only when the sun's shining. So it's not enough to run any appliances. You know, if, you're, if there's a blackout because of bad weather, you're not going to have any sun anyway. So it's kind of handy, you know, randomly, but generally that kind of a backup system isn't going to really help. So let's talk about practical battery systems. So the limitations, there are two limitations with battery backup systems. And once we talk about these limitations, you'll understand how to design a system that's going to make sense for you. The first limitation is the power output. That's the number of watts the system can provide. So you have batteries, a pile of big batteries, lithium-ion batteries, whatever. The amount of power you can provide is based on the size of the inverter. So if you have a 7.6 kilowatt inverter, 7,600 watts, you can put out a maximum of 7,600 watts of power. Now that's enough to run the refrigerator and maybe your heating system and some lights and things like that, but you can't crank up your air conditioner and you can't run your whole house. So the, the, the way these systems are designed pretty much always is you put in a critical load subpanel, separate electrical panel, that just provides power to half a dozen important circuits, things like the furnace, the refrigerator, lights, obviously the TV, and, and a place where you can charge up your cell phone and your video games. So that that's that's how you kind of can handle this power limitation. But you also have... An energy limitation. Now, power is different than energy. Energy is the, the capacity of the batteries. And that depends on the number of batteries you have and the size of the batteries you have. So the more capacity, the more energy you have stored, the longer you can generate power when there's no sun. So if you have an extended power outage, say two or three days, you know, in, unless you're not going to be able to sometimes get solar power because the sun might not be up. So you, you need more storage. You need more batteries. So the reality, in my experience, and I'll give you an anecdote in a minute, that the generators, these old gas power generators, natural gas, you know, the liquid gas, are still the most cost-effective, reliable, and capable battery storage systems. Here's a typical example. It happened to me in February. Big storms in February in California. The power was out at my suburban house for four days. It was cold and rainy almost every day. So even if I would have had a battery backup system with solar panels, I wouldn't have had enough sun to generate, to charge up those batteries and run my house. My poor suffering wife, I actually happened to be enjoying myself in Southern Florida at the time, working with some customers. But my poor suffering wife, luckily... We had a generator. So she was able to start up that generator, and she ran the generator for a few hours during the day and a few hours in the evening, and that was enough to keep the fridge cold, the wine cooler cold, and the house warm, and the wife and the kids very happy. So the generator worked well. If I would have had a battery storage system, I would have been out of luck. All right. Next consideration, software. We're, you're going to need software to control the parts of the battery storage system. It's going to optimize when to charge and discharge. It's going to control the inverter. It's going to coordinate with utility rates. It's going to coordinate with your thermostat. In the future, it's going to coordinate with when you want to charge your, your EV. The thing is that all these components, the batteries, the inverters, the utility, it's all from different companies. So the software is still at a very early stage. And I'm confident that in a few years, the software is going to get 
easier to use, better, more capable. And there's going to be an app for all that on your cell phone that's going to manage all these components. But we're not quite there yet. People are working on it, but it's still not very integrated. Maintenance. This is the biggest issue with battery storage systems. With solar, there's almost no maintenance. Inverters are very reliable, but batteries are not reliable. So you can expect reliability issues, more maintenance, and shorter lifespan for the battery storage system than we're currently experiencing with rooftop PV systems. All right, now practically, you want to get battery systems. Installers have preferences. They're good at doing one kind of system. So they may not offer a lot of choices for solar panels and inverters, and they're not going to offer a lot of choices for battery storage systems. There's a, almost a dozen companies that, are, that have these battery storage systems on the markets. But the good installers specialize and get good at one thing. So you're not going to have a lot of choices, but we're not quite at the point where you really got to adopt it. So in the future, there's going to be better software. There's going to be integration with electric vehicles. The battery systems are going to be cheaper. And most importantly, they're going to be more reliable with, with better operating characteristics. So my recommendations now, I don't have any really strong recommendations for exactly what battery storage system to get yet because it's still at a very early stage. The most important thing that you can do is pick an installer that has a good track record of, of supporting their rooftop PV systems and has been in business for a while. And then they're going to be more responsible about making sure that you're going to get a battery storage system that's going to meet your needs. Don't expect to save a lot of money on a battery storage system. That's the other thing. But these experienced installers are going to provide the necessary support and maintenance. So my biggest recommendation, don't rush into battery storage systems now unless you want to be on the bleeding edge and you're not concerned about economics. Battery storage systems are quickly getting cheaper and more reliable. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts.